father! My father! I found my father! Oh my god! November, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Not a Bomb Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Troy, and with me is Brad. How are you doing tonight, Brad? I am also so bad I am good, Troy. That is true. Um, well, you're jumping right into the theme this evening. I mean, we, we survived um, spooky season, got through October. Did you have a good Halloween? I did. You know, in the middle of a pandemic, uh, going up to a bunch of strangers' houses and asking for candy is a no-no, so... You know, it was a little weird, but uh, we may do, you know, kids yeah. had fun. They didn't really know any different. So that's all that matters. That That's the thing. I miss seeing all the uh, the kids and their costumes coming up to the door. I mean, we, we had a few trick-or-treaters, but we kind of put everything at the end of the of the driveway and just said, take what you want. <laughs> we'll, exactly. We'll watch from back here. Um, but no, November. So we have an entire new theme for this month. And usually um, November, I don't know, it, it seems like um, some places, I know the AFI, they used to do like November Noir. So it was a whole, you know, long month of film noir, which is one of our favorite genres, I think. And, um, you know, the, the episode of Movie Matchup that we did was The Pretension. Yeah, so, I was going to say, we're very far from The Pretension, Troy. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and, and that's the thing. I really enjoy talking about films that have this powerful message that are cinematic um, in scope that really sort of tackle social issues or um, events that may have occurred. Uh, you know, there, there's an entertainment value and you, and you want your popcorn flick. But let's face it, Brad, we like our, our foreign movies. Um, we like the heavy stuff. We like the dramatic stuff, um, throw in some action and face kicking, you know, we're there. Uh, but, but really we, we sort of live for the pretentious films and, and the films that kind of aim for the lofty goals. Right. I mean, that's fair to say. Yeah. 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 Um, none of the movies that we talk about this month are aiming for any of that, or they could be, um, but let's face it, they're, they're not anywhere close. Right. So the, the whole idea of this month, um, is since it's November and we got Thanksgiving around the corner. Uh, and I don't know about you, but one of my favorite things always to do was on Thanksgiving Day when um, MST 3000 um, used to be on TV and they'd have, you know, the turkey marathon. Yeah. Uh, you spend an entire day just watching that show. We, we thought it would be fun to do our own sort of version of it. And um, Not a Bomb this month is going to be tackling the best of the worst and uh, tackling a bunch of turkeys, right? Yeah, yeah. So things that are uh, so bad they're good, but um, you know, I, I think what's the main thing you want to do when you watch a movie is is like enjoy it and and have some sort of experience, whether it's you enjoy it or you're having fun or it makes you think. Uh, hopefully, these movies are so bad they're good, but you think they're kind of awesome or they're fun at least. So, well, I I want to make this distinction because. 
my wife is is on my case all the time <laughs> because we I love bad films and I mean so bad they're good films. Um, it, yes, I, you do. The, yeah, the last movies I've just watched recently um, was Velocipastor, which is about um, I think a, a priest who goes to China gets um, like some evil curse and turns into a dinosaur to fight a ninja clan. I've also watched Trick or Treat from, I think it was 1986, where the kid plays his record backwards and Ozzy Osbourne's a preacher or whatever, and that was really cheesy. I finally got to see Vanilla Ice, um, his film, Cool as Ice, which is a fantastic watch. But those are just movies I've watched this week that are so bad they're good. I mean, this is my wheelhouse. But the question I have for you is, what is the difference between a bad movie and a movie so bad that it's good? Like, how would you describe the difference? It's really hard to kind of describe that. I've been thinking about why some movies like automatically get a pass. Like they, they're going so far into the bad territory that they've like come full circle and now they're good. And then there's some movies that are just bad. Um, and I think it's just like how enjoyable they are. Um, and sometimes like how earnest the people are like trying to make it. Um, if you can see that they're like really trying and there's like this real effort to like put something together and cause at the end of the day, making films is hard. Like I've never made a movie before. Um, you know, growing up we would, you know, get a camcorder and, and make stupid stuff on video, but you know, nothing full length that was, you know, playing in theaters, which is totally different. Right. So, I, you know, it's really hard to kind of, find that line between what gets a pass as it's so bad. It's good. And, and it's just bad. Um, but I think sometimes like a lot of times with me, it's like, if the movie is just bland, I won't like it. Like, and there's nothing memorable about it. Um, we'll get into this movie, but there's a ton of stuff that you walk away from this movie thinking about, um, and it's not boring at all. You know, sometimes those boring movies, they just become instantly forgettable. Uh, Miami Connection is not forgettable at all. So I think that might be one of the distinguishing factors for me. It's just like, you know, an average movie you kind of forget about. Um, a really great movie you, you remember. And then those really bad movies you kind of remember too. So I, I like the word you use, um, which is bland. I, I guess the only analogy that comes close to describing maybe the difference between a bad movie and and just a so bad it's good is I, I grew up in Kansas. And so if you're speaking of bland, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, let, let's talk about driving through mm-hmm. Kansas when when you start going west and you're heading to California. And I remember going to my grandparents house. Just imagine. being Wait, on an open- you would drive from Kansas to California? No, 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 no. Col- oh, okay. Well, no, no, no. Like if you're going to Colorado, they lived okay. in Waukena, Kansas, which is kind of in the okay. middle of, it's in the western part of the state. But you know, I grew up in Wichita, so you're on you're on one end of the state and you're trying to get to the other. But um, just imagine driving on this road, and you know, you, you you're on this road. There's there's nothing to see. It's flat, right? Maybe a couple of cows. The speed limit is 65 miles per hour, and as you're coming along, you get behind a car. And the car is doing 30 and there's no way to pass the car. But for the next two hours, you're on this open road and there's nothing interesting to see. You can't go faster than 30 miles per hour, even though the speed limit is 60. That is watching a bad movie. Um, you, you have these expectations. You see all, you know, the, the signs of how fast you should be going. 
uh, how a movie should be made, etc. But to your point, it's bland. It, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be slow paced. It, it could be fast paced, but it, it's the blandness of it, right? So that's the bad movie. Now, a movie that is so bad that's good, I'll, again, I'll go back to, to high school. Um, I remember driving down 13th Street and uh, car accidents, okay? They're, they're horrible. You, you never want to stop and just gawk at a car accident. But there are those car accidents that as you're passing by and you're seeing the result of it and you can't figure out what happened to result in that. You know nobody's hurt, but you just have no clue how that car accident occurred. And the thing that comes to mind is I remember driving down 13th Street and you see those big telephone poles, right, that are along the side of the road. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you see sometimes they have those big cables that are going from the ground supporting, right? Um, it's Kansas, so you know. Yeah. At some point in time, there's going to be a tornado. Correct. So you, you gotta you gotta make sure the the pole doesn't go anywhere. I remember driving and seeing this this Thunderbird. It had apparently veered off the side of the road, and it had got on stuck stuck on one of these cables or something. But it's going so fast that the car just went up the cable. So you have this car that's suspended kind of between this pole and the ground. And obviously people are just standing around and, and you can clearly see the driver. I mean, he's just some teenage kid with his hands up in the air. And I'm sitting there looking like, how did this car get stuck on this cable to where it's not even touching the ground and it's suspended on this cable? It, it was the craziest traffic accident I think I've ever seen. And to me, that's the difference of a bad movie um, versus so bad that it's good. Driving through Kansas, bad movie. Um, seeing a car and trying to figure out how <laughs> what they were doing or what was going through their mind or the end result of getting a car suspended in between a telephone pole um, and the ground. Um, I, I, that That's a bad movie that is so good and, and I, I want to see that as many times as possible, right? So all of the films that we are picking today, we know um, they're, they're bombs. Um, they're critically bad. I don't think any that are on our roster um, have any critics that have just gone on record and said, this is a fantastic movie. That, that's accurate, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, I'm so excited to get into this one because uh, this is your pick, episode 21, Miami Connection. You're kicking us off with a, a strong pick. But what's interesting about this one is it's a ninja movie, right, Brad? Uh, yes, the uh, Ninja Bikers. Ninja Biker Gang, which we will talk a lot about that. Do you do you have a favorite ninja movie? Is it Miami Connection or is it something different? Well, it's another. It's probably so bad it's good. It's uh, Ninja 3, The Domination. Mm. Um, Shokasugi, right? Yes, and, um, yes. The girl from Breakin and Breakin 2, Electric Boogaloo. Oh, Boogaloo, yeah, yeah. So I, I love that movie. At some point in time, we'll do it for this show, um, just so I can do it. But, you know, it, that, that one kind of falls into the so bad it's good. Um, I have another one I want to say that is, uh, like, actually really good. Into the Dragon's Den is really good. And oh, yeah. Duel to the Death, which Duel to the Death is like, you have Kung Fu versus Ninjas, because it's Chinese versus Japanese, which I think that movie is really good. And then one that I feel like... I have to say, but I feel it's kind of pervy and weird and you should never watch it, but watch it is Ninja Scroll, the anime from, Oh yeah. Was it 93 or something like that? Yeah, um, it was mid nineties. Yeah. It's really weird. And there's some parts that are problematic, but you know, I think anyone who is looking for something Ninja related should watch that. So 
Those are kind of mine. Yeah, it was a huge craze in the 80s, right? I mean, Canon Films was doing Enter the Ninja, Revenge of the Ninja, Ninja yeah. 3 The Domination. Shokasugi just made an entire filmography uh, out of all the ninja Absolutely. films yes, yes. in the 80s. Um, I, I had two. You already talked about one of them. was 1983's Duel to the Death. I love that film. Yes. It's directed by um, Su Tong Ching. And uh, talk about wall-to-wall action. Yeah, we it should is. probably say that's that's probably the best ninja movie. Like, Ninja 3 The Domination is just mine, but I think Duel to the Death is probably, you know, if you want to make a consensus pick, it's Duel to the Death. Yes, but what's funny is that Duel to the Death, for me, would be a runner-up. Oh. My, my favorite ninja film, and it's funny you picked Ninja 3, my favorite ninja film is Pray for Death from 1985, also with Shokasugi, directed yes. by Gordon Hessler. But that one has his sons in there. Um, uh, it is Kane and Shane Kasugi uh, are in that film as well. So I- I'm telling you, Pray for Death is fantastic. There's a great Blu-ray release of it. Pray actually, for Death is the one where they kill his wife and kids, right? Well, they kill his wife and his kids are... Um, oh, and try, yeah, they try to kill his kids. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah, they, one, yeah, one is like severely... But no. talk about just a cheesy action <laughs> fest, but... The action's actually pretty good in it for for an 80s film. Yeah, exactly. But Shokasugi, I, I love all of the Shokasugi films. He is one of those guys that as soon as I see that he's going to be in something, I'm watching it. Uh, but I I grew up on those, and and truth be told, and we'll get into this, I I wanted to be a ninja. Um, my, my brother growing up, <laughs> I call him my brother. We grew up together. Our families were close. We We saw the ninja films. We were 100% dedicated that we were going to grow up and be ninjas. We trained in the backyard. We had our ninja suits. We went to the Army-Navy store. We got our um, throwing stars. We got our bokens. We would practice at night running around in the neighborhood in our ninja suits. Um, and, and it was daily training, Brad. Did you, try to run on, training. did you try to run on water? We did, but we talked about that at the Remo Williams episode. That oh. gave us the you know because we were trying to practice Shinanju at that time. But... Um, yeah, uh, s- s- <laughs> the problem was, and I can't remember which ninja film it was. We came out of it again. We're hyped, and we're we're gonna go back in the backyard and practice um, throwing our our throwing stars at the wooden fence, etc. But I and I can't remember the film. But um, the the ninja master said, you know, there, there's two brothers and and they're training, and and towards the beginning of the film, he says, oh well, in order to pass the final ninja test, you gotta you gotta fight and you know kill your brother. So there was only gonna be one. And um, as we left the film and I, I was talking with Kevin and I said, wow, that was crazy. But hey, if, if you know, the ninja master said that uh, you had to kill me, you wouldn't do that because I wouldn't do that. And, and Kevin just looked me dead in the eyes and said, I would so kill you if the ninja master said so. So that ended my ninja career right then and there. Um, he went on <laughs> to the army and special forces. So, oh, he you know, almost became a ninja. Yeah. <laughs> he almost became a ninja, but I, I couldn't hack it. But uh, yeah. I'm excited. Anytime you put a ninja film on, I'm ready to go, man. What about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from 1990? Or it's... Secret of the Ooze with your boy, Vanilla Ice? Oh, such... Man, that that ninja rap song is fantastic. We'll have to talk about it here in a minute. Which which is the best ninja song when we talk about oh. Dragon Sound? Okay. But um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I, I, I love those films. Um, and does Mortal Kombat count as a ninja movie? Aren't so, S- Scorpion and Sub Zero part of a ninja clan? Aren't they ninja clans? 
Well, let's let's talk about this for a minute. Is it a ninja film because it has ninjas, or is it a? I mean, what makes a ninja film? I, I feel like you have to have ninja training montage. Mm. You, you can't just have ninjas. There, there's got to be some things in there in order to qualify it as a ninja film. You got to have throwing stars. Okay, that's a must. You have to have ninja weapons. Well, I mean, Scorpion can shoot a spear out of his hand. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't okay. really view Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat has ninja-like people, but I don't think it's a ninja film. You hold that up against Duel to the Death or or Pray for Death or Ninja Three: The Domination or, I mean, Enter the Dragon is a ninja film and has Franco Nero running around. Um, but it, yeah, okay, it, okay, it, it has you know the whole ninja tropes going through it. Okay. Sorry well, I brought it up. No, that's okay. That's okay. And I'm not the expert. We could have a listener come in and say I'm totally wrong here, but I'm I'm just saying there there has to be some qualifications. I don't know the full list, but I, I this I is feel like if two of your me. main people are ninjas, then I, I feel like it's a ninja movie. I don't I I'm gonna I don't know. I'm gonna disagree. Okay. It just doesn't feel right calling Mortal Kombat a ninja film. Anyways, let's talk about the movie okay. that you picked for um this week, which is Miami Connection. So this was a huge hit when it came out, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't. So we were talking. Um, the film is from 1987, independently financed from uh, Richard Park, is what we'll call him. Um, and basically takes everything that he has, owns, and decides he's going to make a movie, Troy, which sounds like a good idea. And he's going to get all of his friends. We're going to make a movie. Well, that's YK um, Kim who did that, What they that, do right? is they make Miami Connection. Right. So that, that was YK Kim who was yes. introduced to <clears throat> Wu-Sang Park or Richard Park. I, I think he goes for that as well. But it was YK yeah. Kim who kind of sunk all, all of his money into making Oh, yeah. This. Sorry. Sorry. Yes. YK Kim. Yeah. YK Kim. So mm-hmm. um, and what happened after it was created, put in the wild... So they try to shop it around to hundreds of film uh, distributors. Well, all of them, right? Yeah, basically all of them. And uh, all of them say, hey, here's an idea. Take this movie and throw it in the trash because it is garbage. <laughs> no one was going to pick it up. And um, so they do that for quite a while. Um, it finally does kind of someone decides, hey, we're going to give you like $100,000 re kind of edit it a little bit, put it together and we'll put it out. Uh, comes out in eight theaters and around the, um, Orlando area, central Florida area. So, and I was also thinking, is this not the most like Florida thing in the world? This movie, like, what do you think of Florida? Like Miami connection, Florida. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Um, but so Troy, a random happenings, from a guy who works at Alamo Draft House happens. He finds a DVD listing for this movie, buys it for fifty bucks. Well, I thought it was a thirty-five millimeter print. Off or yeah. yeah, yeah, it was like a it was fifty dollars. Somebody's unloading this thirty-five millimeter print. Yeah, um, and I can't remember the guy from Alamo Draft House because they they go around and they buy. Zach prints. Carlson is his name. Okay, yep, Zach. Uh, they're buying prints and they would show just random prints on on a Wednesday or something of that nature, right? Yeah, it was like Wacky Wednesday or something right. weird like that. Um, 
Yeah, and then they keep asking like uh, Richard um, if they could like you know if he would come and do like a screening and stuff, and I guess he blows them off for a while, and then well, that was YK. Um, yeah, YK. Sorry, I'm getting yep. them mixed up. Um, and then lo and behold, like in 2012, they get to like re-release it, and this movie kind of gets a second wind as like this room s kind of movie that you know people kind of go to screenings and you know it's like this big event to kind of go see this movie um in all of its glory troy how much do you think this movie costs to make if if i were to pick a number just off of viewing it and and looking at it you would say 11 dollars, right no no <laughs> there there's a lot of prosthetics and gourd arms being chopped off etc and and I know that stuff can be expensive, just you know the ketchup and everything that you got to buy for it. <laughs> I'd put it in the camp of at least one hundred twenty-seven dollars and twenty-two cents. How about one million dollars? <laughs> From everything where, I found, I think where, it's a, a <laughs> million it dollars. Yeah, I know. We know a person who made a low-budget horror movie um, ten years ago that makes like I know this is eighty-seven and this was two thousand ten, but I mean. He didn't spend close to a million dollars on it. And I mean, the movie we did last week was from 1957 and it looks leaps and bounds better than this movie. But, you know, um, anyway, so, yeah. So, you know, this this movie is what you would call a cult film. Um, A a lot of people have kind of reached out and said, oh, my gosh, I'm so glad you're doing this um, because I love this movie. I didn't discover it until the Alamo draft house, um, put it out, uh, the re-release. Um, I know you did too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got that great kind of purple and pink movie poster. That's really awesome with YK on it. Um, it looks and, like a, I mean, the poster looks like a Florida shirt. Yes. Yes. It is it's, like, it's exactly what you would let's see. Let's go in get those. Uh, what are those shirts? The spray shirts, yes. you know? Yes. Spring yep. break mm-hmm. 87 on it. Um, yeah. So, so when it was re-released in 2012, a lot of critics went back and um, kind of reviewed it as a second time because um, it didn't get no one saw it the first time. Well, there, the, a, the Orlando critic saw it the yes. first opening, called it the worst film yeah. what, of 1988 at that time. Yes, <laughs> which you know, <laughs> did you see everything? I mean, come on. So um, this sits at right now. It sits at currently. 68% of Rotten Tomatoes, um, which all the reviews that are positive are, hey, this movie sucks and it's terrible, but it's also awesome. They're all kind of in on the joke is kind of, you know, the gist of their reviews. Of course, 32% of people were like, eh, this movie's terrible and I don't understand why people are giving it a pass. But do you consider like when you like a movie that's not good, giving it a pass? When you, when a movie's not, so like when people like something but they admit that it's bad, they're just giving it a pass. That's a phrase that people kind of throw around a lot. I don't know. I like the term <clears throat> that I'm not a big fan of is guilty pleasure as well. Yeah, because somebody sh- you looks at I, you should, should like no what you guilt. like. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think this is one of those where you 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 said that everybody's in on the joke on its initial release this was a very dramatic action heavy film so if it comes out in 88 it's it's being released in the time that it's shot it's it's 
when we get to the plot, I, I want to read what IMDb has the plot for it. <laughs> but this this is a serious film. It was it was not done as a joke. It was not done with really any humor per se. It wasn't done as a comedy. It was done as a ninja action film with, you know, a little bit of uh, not French connection. Obviously the Miami connection, the drug trade stuff like that, they're alluding yeah. to it. But they're really trying to promote Taekwondo. And yeah, I was going to say, is this a Taekwondo propaganda film, Troy? It is, it is a Taekwondo <laughs> propaganda film. They were very upfront about that, I think, even when they were making it. I, I think it has created a sense of cult status because people view it as a comedy now. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think people can look at it now and say, oh, that's the 80s. And when it was done at the time, it was done dramatically, but it's so dramatic, it's comedic in today's standards. So I, I don't know. I, I, to me, it's, it's, it's a poorly made film. It, yeah. It's just poorly made. Yes, but so like, okay, let's just consider that film is art. Yes. Okay. It is. Art is interpreted in many different ways. Um, I can draw a blue line on a piece of paper on a canvas and call it art, and someone could say that's the most brilliant thing they've ever seen in their entire life because that's how they interpret it. They're not giving my art a pass. They're just the way they're interpreting it. I kind of feel like that's the same with, with film in a way, too. You're not really... You're you're just kind of interpreting the way that you interpret it. If you feel like this overdramatic um, tale about orphans um, who sing in a rock band who fight um, a ninja motorcycle clan is comedic and funny and that's how you want it to feel to you. And that's how you interpret it. Then totally fine. I don't think you're giving it a pass. Um, oh, I, I don't think you, I think it, people are connecting to the fun elements of it. Yeah. I just, I don't think YK Kim or Wu-Sang Park when they, when they made this, released it, I don't think they looked at it and were hoping that everybody would get together at midnight and make fun of it for the full you know, entire two hour run. No, but I think that's also kind of the charm. It it is the charm. This the, all of the films we're going to talk about. I honestly think may, maybe one of the. Well, I know next week's when when we talk about that one. That was an intentional comedy. What is crazy about this one was it is a comedy, but it's an unintentional comedy. Yeah, right? like Tommy Wiseau did not set out to make the room be a. No, he was com- making Citizen yeah. Kane, right? Yes, exactly. Um, so they were it, trying to make the Citizen Kane of ninja motorcycle gang movies. Yes, I, I agree. And and to some degree, I for that genre itself, they succeeded. <laughs> yeah. So here's here's the thing, and I'll I'll put it out there. This is a poorly made film in some regards, but it has so many things going right for it when we get into detail about our thoughts on the film. That, you know, most movies, it's it's very rare to find a film that between directing, casting, music, everything just hits on all cylinders, right? And you get this perfect film that doesn't have any flaws. I'm thinking about like Event Horizon that we talked about last month. Event Horizon has so many things. That you didn't like, like enough? That I liked, but apparently not enough. But um, it, it, it's one of those films that if you take it as a whole, you go, there's some really dumb things in it and there's some really great things in it. Um, and, and I don't think this, this film is any different when we talk about it. However, I will say this one is easier to make fun of than Event Horizon 
because of some of the ineptitude in a few key categories. And, and that will transition, I think, into let, let's talk about behind the scenes, right? So you had talked about when um, they were coming together to make this film. It was uh, Wu Sang Park, who at the time was going by Richard Park, and Y.K. Kim. They're the directors, they're the co-directors of the film. And what's is interesting about this is they shot it initially, and like you said, they're trying to give it to all these studios, and the studios say, nope, this is garbage, throw it away. After that happens, Y.K. Kim goes and buys a book. So I believe the, the way it goes is the initial footage and everything else was really directed by Wu Sang Park. And then after they couldn't get a release schedule, YK Kim goes and buys a book about how to direct a film. And they start doing reshoots and trying to piece this together with different scenes and a different ending and everything else. Um, and even the writers are the same as the directors. So Wu Sang Park, YK Kim were directors, writers. They're also producers on the film. And they also have roles in the film. So they're, they're in the cast. Do you think that right? book was how to direct a film for dummies? <laughs> I would not be surprised. So, uh, but you, you cannot, if we talk, and we'll talk about YK Kim specifically, but you cannot find probably another person who believed in their work more than this guy because he sank his entire life savings at that time. Yeah, he pushed all in on this movie. <laughs> yeah, almost went bankrupt too. So, and and when you kind of find out about how big of a deal that was considering where he came from and what he had at the time. I mean, he 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 this was a labor of love for him and he had a vision. Um, but let's talk about the cast real quick. So, starring as Mark is YK Kim himself, right? Mr. Rhythm guitarist. Rhythm guitarist of Dragon Sound. You get Vincent Herschel as John. Now, in order to keep John... Um, Too many J names in this movie. Let's just go ahead and say that. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. There's a lot okay. of J names. So Vincent Herschel, to me, is like the karate version of Michael Phelps. So if you hear me talking oh, about this wow, film yes. and going, yeah, when Michael Phelps does this, I'm really talking about Vincent Herschel. He's playing John. But to me, it's, hey, if you wanted to see Michael Phelps in a, in a Taekwondo film, this is the movie, right? Uh, and now that I'm living in Baltimore, I don't understand why this wasn't a bigger thing because the guy looks like Michael Phelps or, or a Michael Phelps stunt guy. I don't know. You got Joseph Diamond as Jack. What I think is the standout star, uh, Maurice Smith as Jim. I mean, this guy takes a shot at the Academy Award nomination for Best Supporting Actor. We'll get into that. When he gets that letter, boy, he's going Ooh, for yeah. it. Yeah. You get Angelo Gennati, um as Tom. Now, this guy is striking and handsome. He's the karate version of John Oates from Holland Oates. Oh, uh, he is. <laughs> he is so. If you ever, again, what, what makes this movie so good is you got Michael Phelps doing karate or taekwondo, and then you've got um, John Oates from Holland Oates doing karate or taekwondo. You got Kathy Collier as Jane, which, fun fact about her, uh, I, I guess she was a musician or had a musical career. I was listening to one of her songs um, the other night after we watched this film, and it was a disco song. Go check it out. It, it's right there on the internet. You get William Urgle as Jeff, so another another J name here. Yes. Jeff is a bad guy, but he's Jane's brother, so he's he's the one with the beard, right? The must, yeah, the mustache, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's got the whole full with the beard real hairy him. arms, which really freaked me out. I don't like yeah. dudes he, that wear cut off shirts. He kind of looks like a wolfman. He's yeah. like a Paul Nashy wolfman looking yeah. dude. You got um, C.Y. CY Joe as Yoshida. Now, he's the other bad guy, but he's the bad guy ninja slash biker who sells cocaine. 
and then um, the director that we just talked about, Wu Sang Park, is and he goes by Richard Park in this film. Um, he is Uncle Song, so he's the guy that owns a restaurant. And fun fact about Wu Sang Park, he has a pretty extensive filmography because he was doing a lot of action films in, in the 70s and 80s at the time. So he, he's the experience of this crew. Because um, Wu Sang Park saw YK Kim on a TV show and said, hey, dude, I like your stuff. Let's make a movie together. And so instead of using professional actors and everything else, all of these people that are in the cast are either students of YK Kim or in their close circle, et cetera. The only guy who really had any filmmaking credentials at the time was Wu Sang uh, Park. Now, a little bit about YK Kim before we get into this film. He received a Taekwondo black belt at age 13. And that was one of the youngest people at the time. Right? Okay, I saw that. You know, I have no context for for that. So explain to me: at thirteen, you get your black belt in Taekwondo. That's a big deal? Question mark. I, I think so. I mean, I the more I read about it, it's more of if you look at his age, his, his athleticism, and how long it takes you to go through that journey. That's pretty impressive. So I'm okay. sure he started very young. Um, but it, it's not just about starting young too. He had to be really good to achieve that level at 13, right? And in 1978, he ends up moving to Orlando um, and opens YK Kim's Taekwondo. And that's his first Taekwondo school, right? So the school becomes Martial Arts World. So th that's the name of the franchise. Um, and it's a franchise that there is a journalist, Aaron Sullivan, or the Orlando Weekly, describes it as the McDonald's of martial arts schools in Florida. So if you wanted to learn Taekwondo in Florida, you were going to YK Kim's Taekwondo or Martial Arts World. And he also publishes Martial Arts World magazine, which is a quarterly magazine for professionals in the martial arts. He wrote the, winning, uh, he wrote the book Winning is a Choice, and he's also a motivational speaker. So YK Kim is a man of many talents. Um, and I, I think it's interesting because here's an individual who he comes over, starts a very successful franchise of Taekwondo schools. Somebody sees him on TV and says, hey, man, let's let's go make a movie. So he gets drawn into this project and it totally engulfs him. And at the time that this is being released, he has all these schools and everything else. And that million dollars you're talking about is coming from really his businesses and everything that he's established so far um, with, with, you know. And he almost loses them. Absolutely, just through the whole release of the film. So super fascinating person. Um, and it's super fascinating how he comes into the filmmaking world as well and then what he does with it. And like you said, this thing gets released – I mean, it shuts down in three weeks. And 20 years later, when the Alamo Draft House buys a print of it for 50 bucks on eBay, they think that they have discovered, you know, the Holy Grail. And for the longest time, YK Kim was hanging up on him saying, no way, this has got to be a joke, et cetera. Yeah. And, and now it's just become this, um, I, I think for movie lovers, a, a little bit of a cultural phenomenon, right? Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's one of those movies that you definitely, I think you're going to be in two camps with, on this movie, right? <clears throat> I don't think there's going to be anyone on the in the middle about Miami connection. You're either going to love it or you're going to hate it because you're either going to, you know, kind of be in on it or you're not. Absolutely. Full disclosure, watch this with uh, my wife, her reaction to it. Cause she'd never seen it before. That was the 
dumbest thing I've ever seen. She's not wrong. Yes. <laughs> and this this is how much she hated it. She also watched Cool as Ice, the Vanilla Ice film, and said that she enjoyed that ten times more than My Enemy Connection. Yikes. That that is her reaction to this, it's which a I, I found indictment. very interesting. <laughs> that is. Um now granted, Miami Connection probably doesn't have um you know the the fantastic dialogue found in Cool and Ice. Uh, yeah, because she ice, wanted to get as, with a hero, not a zero. That's right. Um, or drop the zero and get with the hero. I think the line is, but whatever. Yeah, I mean, Cool as Ice is is extremely quotable. I <laughs> I don't know if Miami Connection is quotable because half the time I wasn't quite sure what people are saying. Um, talk about editing and audio. Yeah, a lot of ADR you know. in this movie. <laughs> oh my god! And everybody's talking on top of each other. Uh, I I almost turned the subtitles on, not because of uh, well, I mean, YK Kim at the time I'm sure was was still getting used to English, etc. But that really wasn't the problem. It it really was everybody talking on top of each other. What else? I mean, is there any other background we should talk about this before we kind of get into our reaction of it? Because I I think. It, this could either be a five-minute discussion and it'll be the shortest episode we've done, or this is going to go on for a while. No, I don't have anything background-wise because I think we hit on everything I wanted to talk about. So, Yeah, and in full disclosure, I don't think we're – for anybody who has bought the Blu-ray, has sat through the special features, has gone to the Alamo Draft House, this is a well-known bad film. So I don't think we're adding anything new to the conversation outside of you get to hear us talk about our reaction to the film. And and again, full disclosure, this isn't going to be a reaction that is um, like Children of Men where we talk about the thematic elements. It's It's really our reaction to either WTF, <laughs> what yeah. is going on here, or I got a feeling you're going to have to explain some things to me. Oh, boy. <laughs> you ready to get into this? Yes, let's go. Okay, so can I start with the synopsis? Yes, please. I'd the love plot to hear this. Okay, so IMDb, this is what they have as a plot synopsis. And I got to tell you, I, I, I was a little taken aback because I saw some of this, but I would not summarize the plot this way. So it's very short. It says, a martial arts rock band goes up against a band of motorcycle ninjas. Okay, so far you're right. Yes, yes. Yes, yeah. Um, who have tightened their grip on Florida's narcotics trade. I saw drugs, I think, one time at the very beginning of this movie. I don't know if drugs are ever seen again, right? Yeah, okay. so a martial arts rock band goes up against a band. Here's my thing. I thought most of the movie was them fighting with the band who lost their job, and now that band was getting back at them. Yeah. But since they beat them up the first time, they go to another guy to help out. They get Jeff involved. They get Jeff involved in, in his crew, and then Jeff's crew gets beat up, and then they go to the ninja biker gang at the end, and I'm I'm not sure... Where the drugs are I, just the very beginning, yes. Is it okay? Yes. It's at the beginning, and does it all take place in Orlando or Miami? I believe there's not a whole lot of Miami in this movie. From what I saw, people were like, This uh, Miami connection should be more called Orlando connection because Central Florida University, I believe, is in Orlando, which okay. is the school they go to. So, 
Does that mean a why can't Kim is in college in this movie? He's like a thirty-seven-year-old man. Look, I, I know you can like go in to their forties. You could go to college at any point in time. I praise I him for going yes. to school late and getting a career change. You know that's very important. But holy hell, he's a thirty-seven-year-old. If, if, if you're in your forties and you go, hey, I'm going back to school. Would you go back and experience all of college? I mean, when I went to college, it was moved out of the house, moved in with a bunch of guys, and went to school, right? So YK Kim, actually all of them, I feel like, are in their 40s, decided that they were going to move out of their house, move in together. I mean, I get the whole go back to college, but dude, at 40? Yeah. Yeah. That's a risk, man. Okay, sorry. Keep going. No, I, I I just wanted to make sure because that plot synopsis feels overly simplified. Is that it? That that was the plot synopsis. Oh. But I, I read that plot synopsis. And I'm like that. That's not what I got out of it. I got. I, I mean, I feel like this movie's more about warring bands than anything. Yeah, yeah. This is more. Uh, this is closer to more like uh, I don't know. It's like Scott Pilgrim in a way than like I don't know French. <laughs> can, this has you know I don't know. So yeah, that's a well, weird synopsis. You know what movie? popped into my mind watching this streets you say of streets fire. of fire oh god I knew you were say <laughs> it was streets of fire this is like the dollar general version of streets of fire with all its music and everything else uh i think the music's better in this <laughs> you you can shut up right now the music is seriously no i mean like in a we're gonna make a, a mickey mouse club rock band um speaking of which troy have you looked at the lyrics to the friends to the song called Friends by Dragon Sound? That is so funny because I've got I've got some of the lyrics here. We've got um so for friends, this is the chorus, right? Mm-hmm. Friends through eternity, mm-hmm. loyalty and honesty, honesty. Yes. We'll stay together through thick or thin, friends forever, we'll be together, we're on top cuz we play to win. Hell yeah. That's your anthem. That is yes. And you got not as good, in my opinion, as against the ninja. Oh, did you you look at those lyrics? I love the part where the crowd says Taekwondo, Taekwondo, and then they say Taekwondo. Yeah. So some some sample lyrics from here against the ninja. We will fight the battle to win against the ninja. I feel like I'm not selling it. Something about sin. I know. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, We will fight to battle the sin. Yeah. Taekwondo, Taekwondo. Taekwondo, there's fire in their eyes, no mercy in their hearts. They tell their dirty lies to finish what they start. Evil is their drive. Hell possesses his souls. Won't get them alive. The feelings twisted cold. Man, they really don't like ninjas. They don't. I mean, well, it's titled against the nin. So like- here's my my. I have a question for you. You've got against the ninja. And then, speaking of Vanilla Ice, he did in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles two Ninja Rap Ninja Rap, right? Yeah. What What's the better Ninja song? I feel it's pretty amazing that in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles two, the secret of the ooze, that a man could see four turtles fighting a pig and a ooh, what was the other one? A snapping turtle? Be, yeah. No, it yeah. was a uh, Toker and Razor. It's oh, not, okay. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, and he could immediately tell that those four things were teenage, they were mutant, and they were Ninja Turtles. Um, to be able to come up with that in a choreographed dance, pretty much 
on the fly seems like it would be something that would be harder to be honest with you. No, I, I agree. And, and after seeing cool as ice, um, I have a new respect for vanilla ice. <laughs> so between against the ninja and ninja rap, I'm my man ice. I, I'm, I'm back in his song. Okay. On this one. All right. Just my preference, man. I, Hey, I'm right there with you. Yeah. I think it, I think, I think his, his songs more doper or dope. <laughs> okay. Okay. Dad. <laughs> um yeah so a couple of things i'm looking at i'm looking at some things i scribbled so i i have to i have to be perfectly honest with you yeah i always have this little notebook here and i always take notes and i you know i try to kind of watch these films differently uh because i know we're gonna be talking about them i want to be very um you know thorough yes i got through about 10 minutes of this movie and then I just shut this thing and put it away. And I was like, you know what? Nah, no. Taking notes on this movie is not going to help. So um, I, I'm kind of going I, by the seat of my pants here. I, I, kind I feel of like agree. it fits I, in this movie because they kind of all kind of went by the seat of their pants. So let's go. A, a little bit. I just had questions like questions popped up after. And I wrote my notes after watching it. So the very first thing. And, and again, I'm. I'm drawing from my ninja training in my younger years in the backyard, which I yeah, thought you're like was two way... third, You're like two-thirds a ninja, right? I'm probably more one-third. Okay. Again, I couldn't make that commitment to kill Kevin, although Kevin could kill me. Yeah. So I had to drop out of ninja training. Kevin kept going. Okay. Made a career out of it. Um, my problem is, and, and Kevin did this too, and I, I never understood it. We were always running around with like black ninja suits in Kansas, Wichita, Kansas. And then Kevin one day went out and bought a white ninja suit for, for that one, like, hey, when it snows in Kansas, yeah. I'm going to hide and attack people. Yeah. Which, okay, I, I get that reason. But why are there white ninja suits in, in this film? I mean, it, it's an urban territory, yeah, right? Yeah, they're in the jungle. <laughs> well, in a jungle, I don't, I don't think well, white ninja suits is a practical choice. I think in an jungle urban, might jungle be a weird setting. way. I think it's like a forest. We'll call it a forest, not a jungle. This isn't the. I thought Amazon. it was a park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but the white ninja suit always throws me off. I think it's a bad choice. It um, looks camo awesome. I'm down with. I, no, it uh, doesn't. I like it. it. May, I think you're an idiot if you're a ninja who's not supposed to be seen and all sneaky and stuff. The last thing you do is buy a white ninja suit in an urban. Or jungle type scenario. That's just that's poor nin- ninja ing. Yeah, ninjing, ninjing, ninjing. Okay. And then the other thing that so this movie has so many of the um, I, I don't know action tropes, especially when you get into drug deals and stuff like this. Uh, and again, the narcotics, like you said, only show up in the beginning. I don't I don't think they talk about it. I, I feel like at some point maybe he's like, hey, how's your drug business going? He's like, oh, it's going pretty good. Yeah. But but the big drug I don't know battle heist thing at the beginning. When they're doing the exchange, and I don't know why I would pick this up in this film, but it's always bothered me, is what's this thing with tasting narcotics? That doesn't sound like a very smart thing to do. Like well, when they're to... always doing the exchange and they go, oh, I'm going to cut it open and Well, you have to it. make I mean, sure it's real, Troy. Why wouldn't you use like chemistry or something? Because it looks awesome to take out a knife and open it up and taste it and be like, yeah, this is, this is, this is the good stuff. What if it has poison? <laughs> I mean, you're not taking that much. These are bad guys, Brad. Yeah, Why would you take that risk? <laughs> Troy, you know, with all the drug deals that I've done, you know, someone's always made sure that the stuff is good. So, all right. I don't know. I've never done a drug deal, but. So just, do you, do you have to, I mean, I've, I've not done cocaine drugs or anything like that. I mean, you can taste it and all of a sudden, you know, the quality is it's not uh sugar baking powder or whatever. 
I, I'm assuming, yes. Okay. Yeah, if any listeners know, let it, let us know. Not that we're not gonna we're not you know snitches get stitches. We're gonna turn you in. But I'm curious about this. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a narc. Uh, yeah. Um. And then I I really think as again a practicing one third ninja, um, the whole riding motorcycle thing sound just uh, that was weird. Um, because the biker gang. Now let me ask you this: Was the biker gang supposed to be the ninja gang, or were they two separate groups? I believe there's two separate groups you know because all bikers kind of end up being like this big community so let's say the biker group is just this big community but they there's a we'll say the white guy biker gang and then the ninja biker gang which i don't know i don't know when they went to that bar when they like did their little mini sturgis and went to their little biker bar they were for 1987 white guys in florida they were very nice to a not white guy. And I thought that was very progressive of them, Troy. It, it, it is for that time period. I just couldn't figure it out because you see ninjas riding a motorcycle. Then you go to a biker. Like, it cuts to a biker gang. And it's the head ninja bad guy, right, that is in the lead. And you and you think, oh, those were the ninjas he was riding around at the beginning with the bikes. Yeah. But when you look at the biker gang physique, I just didn't buy him as No, ninja. I think he just wanted to go to a bar and have a drink and see some girls flash a little bit, which was odd for this movie. Did you feel like the, the, the female uh, nudity was uh, kind of out of nowhere in this movie? Uh, well, a couple, <laughs> couple things. Um, the, the whole privilege of a biker gang doesn't entice me just based on their dental plan. Oh, I, I, that was a big turnoff. I, I did at times have a hard time distinguishing between the guys and the girls in the biker gang mm-hmm. Yes, because of their haircuts and um, wardrobe, right? That biker montage really threw me off because it was like five or six minutes long. Yeah, there's some really weird long scenes in this movie that like go on for way too long and kind of go nowhere. Like, Yeah, that well, that one... In particular, I I don't know where it goes, but after five or six minutes of women flashing themselves with a very poor dental plan, um, and I don't know Jeff and who's the other guy. So let's just call it bad ninja guy and Jane's brother, right? Jeff. Yes. So, okay. That is Jeff. So we got Jeff and Yoshido who are now, are they brothers? Because they keep telling, are they brothers or are they spoiler alert? Jeff yes. does not make it to the end of this movie, Troy. And when I they feel like you ruined this film for yes. a lot of people, Brad. Okay. <laughs> but when they come and tell Yoshido that he is dead, he says, Jeff, your brother has died. And yes. I was like, wait a minute. Yoshido and Jeff were brothers. And I was like, wait, Jane and Jeff being brother and sister makes total sense. But maybe because there's a lot of foster parenting in this movie. So yes. maybe Yoshido was a they his parent Jeff's and Jane's parents adopted Yoshido into their home. Maybe. OK, I, I don't know. I think that would be the closest thing because there's a lot of adoption orphan kids because all. OK, so all of Dragon Sound, they're all orphans. orphans. No, orphans. Orphans. I'm sorry. Yes, they're orphans. YK Kim. Again, his first language is not English, so let's be nice. Oh, I understand. Um, um, they're all orphans, and they're trying to find who their real parents are. Um, yeah. Jim, well, are they or just one guy? Well, Jim seems like he's going more, you know, giving it the old college try. 
uh, while in college as a 37 year old man. Um, True. Giving it the old college try and trying to find his father. Um, and uh, yeah, that, uh, that goes some places too. Um, he's writing letters to the defense department to find his father. Uh, because I guess his, I, I don't know. I don't know. Troy, there's some, maybe some plot holes in this movie. I don't know. Oh, I, I feel I like know. this whole review is all over the place. <laughs> like I'm losing my mind. <laughs> Usually I can, I can take a theme and I can walk it through the film but this is this is a bunch of action scenes with a biker bar montage that ends with some guy putting a nail down his nose cavity. I do not and, like and that's that. That's the climax. I, do I did not, not like, like that. that either to impress his lady friend. I I feel like you said taking taking notes. The only thing I I don't know why I was super critical of all the ninja stuff in there because it was because well, you're one third ninja. It was not how I practice in the backyard. Yeah. The, the whole sequences of them scurrying around, um, you know, in, in their backyard, I, I thought they were horrible at it because they teach you or you teach yourself in ninja school. The very first thing you do is ass down because with your ass up, they can see you. And I just a lot of sequences when they're scurrying, you just see a lot of butts going through. Mm. Um, and I thought that was bad ninja ninja. Mm hmm. I can't make fun of YK Kim because I, I can't pronounce anything correctly anyways. No, it's definitely not last names for sure. No, I will butcher, butcher the, well, I butchered the <laughs> word butcher, but I don't know, bro. I don't know what to think about this thing. I mean, it's, I mean, there's a lot going on with this movie that you can kind of tell it was shot very quickly. A lot of this stuff is one take um, because boy, these people cannot act at all, Troy. I don't. I mean, that might be shocking to you to hear that some of these people never went on to be in another movie again. But uh, yeah, they're not. They're not actors. Um, well, and not Jim even tries, and not even the Taekwondo. Like the Taekwondo is like a little impressive. Well, hold on. Let's let's not totally. Jim try. Jim goes for it. So when this his search for his father right is the dramatic narrative that pulls this thing together and again full disclosure if, if you if you check out the blu-ray or something there's an entirely different ending for that character played by murray smith but jim and and again it's something that it seems out of place because you go action scene action scene um narcotics trade uh songs right yeah people working out at a gym was yeah. <laughs> we're gonna derail on this one too so the the bad guy's dojo right so jane's brother jeff mm -hmm. he has a gym slash dojo where everybody is in jeans <laughs> cutoffs and leather well yeah they're working out troy <laughs> <laughs> brad I, I feel like you sweat a lot already <laughs> yeah so, <laughs> so leather might leather be a, off when you're sweating yeah it might be like a bad that. choice yeah uh, okay, anyways, um, back to Jim. See, I'm derailing again. Jim really goes for it in that letter sequence. There, there's two sequences. There's one where he gets the first letter, and uh, you get this five-minute description of him searching for his father, and he's he instantly cries on demand. I don't know if instantly, but, man, he's really pushing those tears out, and I, I feel like he cries on demand better than his karate on demand. So I don't want to discredit that performance because he really goes for it. And and 
And when he gets that letter in the mailbox, oh my goodness, his excitement. It's fantastic, yeah. Brad. And they all put their money together and they buy him a $200 $260 suit. $260 yeah, whatever. To go pick up his dad. It's so beautiful. It is. So He's, I, I want to say Jim was probably robbed of the best supporting actor that year. Yeah, you know. Or at least a nomination. Yeah, I mean, because... Let's be honest. When Tilda Swinton got it for Best Supporting Actress for Michael Clayton, she was in the movie for, you know, five or six minutes. She had like two or three scenes. Um, you know, Jim. I, f- I find Jim's performance more earnest. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. You know. Um, well, let's talk about the fight The, the fight choreography. Uh, I've never seen slow motion used so incorrectly <laughs> yes. in a fight choreography. <laughs> they slowed. Like, so they use slow motion to, like, show nothing like winding up to hit somebody not the actual like contact like Zack Snyder if he ever saw this movie he would lose his mind because he was he would be like no that's not how you're supposed to do slow motion let me show you but uh yeah it's like this weird so I think everything with this movie is like we've seen this in movies before let's just try it hey hey let's just try it but Brad your slow motion it it should accentuate the punch kick the hit, the impact, the grandeur of the motion, the kinetic motion in a fight sequence should all come together and be so impactful. And, and think about it. Think about all the movies that you watched and you go, wow, I want to replay this fight sequence, how the Matrix does it or something of that nature. And you're watching a slow motion sequence and, you, and you're just in amazement at the, the physicality of it or the skill or the prowess that goes into that action sequence. And I feel like this movie goes, okay, that part of that sequence, we're just going to let go at normal speed. But the stuff that happens after the cool stuff, that's what we're going to put in slow motion. Yeah, they get it all wrong. Absolutely wrong. And what is it with YK Kim and grabbing people's noses with his foot? Yeah. Yeah. That I felt was a little like pervy, creepy. I don't know. I just... As a martial arts instructor, I don't think you should be doing that. Uh, let's see. I, w- I wrote down this joke for you, Troy. Let's see if I can get it. Hey, did Quentin Tarantino make a pass at this movie? Hey, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> well, okay. So I can see this. With all the feet a... in this movie, you'd think it'd be a Tarantino movie. There you go. I guess. I just, there you go. I like that. I, I couldn't get that. I felt out of everything <laughs> in this film, that was the stuff that really made me awkward. Like, it felt awkward. Like, something was going on here because it happens too many times, and I didn't get it. And even on the special feature. Oh, it wasn't this... the people, uh, uh, Michael Phelps and Jane making out? Like, you weren't uncomfortable there? Like, seeing those two people try to make out and have zero chemistry was the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. I don't it know was... if those people know how to kiss. They they might not, and it was a bad kissing performance, but it didn't – I wasn't getting this pervy, creepy feel with every time that YK Kim had the ability to grab somebody's nose with his bare foot. He was going to take that mm. on stage in front of people. No thanks. And the crowd was going to eat it up. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that was that was the element of the film I wish they removed. it. If you're going to edit something out, take the foot-nose thing out. It bothers me. I don't know why. Okay. I, but, hey, I did discover something. I didn't know I didn't like that until I saw it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, 
God, what else about this thing? Um, what other questions did I have? I I don't I don't let's talk about the music. We we mentioned the lyrics, etc. What about the band's performance? YK Kim is the rhythm guitarist, correct? I don't think he's ever held a guitar in his entire life. Nor does he understand the concept of rhythm. Yes. <laughs> clapping out of sequence. Yes. The the big debate um during my viewing, and I don't think it's settled, was did he have guitar strings on his guitar i don't think he, just... he did i don't think he did and i okay. think that's an hd thing they were probably like back in the day they're like no one will ever notice you know we're shooting them on someone's you know were they afraid eight... he was gonna hurt himself you know i mean if you don't play guitar he's, very often you know those strings taekwondo master those strings can be very delicate on your fingertips and can cut troy um, all right and those hands are you know very important to this film so <laughs> um okay so you so we're saying definitively no strings on no the strings. YK Kim's no guitar. Strings. Okay. Now um, I think the one guy almost looked like he was playing guitar because there was a few solos where I'm like, I think that's pretty close. Is that is that the uh Your boy with the the Jerry Curl kind oh, of Oh yeah. Um your Hall the, and John, guy. the John Oates guy. Yeah. Yeah, and in the special features when they bring dragon sound back together at the Alamo for a reunion concert and uh, full disclosure, YK still has not discovered rhythm yet, mm. even, you know, 20 years later, but that guy, um, John Oates, karate, John Oates, which is Angelo Gennati was doing some fantastic solos in the reunion concert. So I have to assume that he was playing back then as well. Okay. He's, he's a good guitarist. Horrible. I, I think the reason why he's the one that gets kidnapped and tied to the tower by um, Jane's brother's gang, because at that point the old band couldn't beat him yeah. in the downtown place, so they go recruit the bad guy, the white bad guy. They capture um, John Oates, tie him Tom. to... Tom, his name is Tom. Karate John Oates. <laughs> they tie him to a steel tower thing and there's a big battle there and that's where a uh, bad guy white bad guy jeff dies right yes and kicks off the big finale yes what did you think about the big finale was was it was it a was it big and was it fin- finale-ish enough for you you know i felt like some of the sword play in this movie might have been fake troy i don't know if those were swords or like metal sticks it, I, when they hit each other, it was like this weird, like, we're going to swing, but when we get really close, we're going to slow down so we don't, you know, hurt our hands because, you know, it's going to hurt. Um, or you hold the sword up for a good three minutes behind the person so that they recognize you're behind them so that you can in turn turn and cut them. Right? Yes. Yes. There's a lot of we're going to attack, but only when you look at me so that you can attack quicker and kill me. See, I'm, I'm going to... There I is a cool gonna, decap- decapitation in this movie, though. Let's not forget about that. You, there's a lot of gore that pops out in this film just out of nowhere. Yeah. Some dude loses an arm. Me. Yes. And they save it all for the last 10 minutes. Pretty much. Well, they, they had some at the beginning when the movie was about drugs and narcotics. Oh, yes. Yes. A guy takes an yeah, arrow there, in the heart. Yeah. There's a lot of ninja like uh, gore going on. And there's ninja gore at the end. Um, I Here's the thing. YK Kim... When he's doing the martial arts choreography, 
there there was uh, in the downtown uh, fight sequence when they're fighting the first band in the streets. That, there there were a couple of interesting kicks. YK Kim is showing his stuff off, and I have to say he's got that cool double kick. It was yeah, pretty cool. He's, yeah, he he's very good at the aerial stuff and. Anything that's Taekwondo related, I, I think he's fantastic. And I think they made a mistake with the whole finale and giving them swords and running through the jungle. I think they, it, it, that's not his forte, man. No. Him holding a sword and grimacing and doing the slow motion and of, yelling, Jim. Yeah, that not good. No, not good. No. Um, I feel that the the cinematography of that sequence as well was not up to par simply because you could see the crew standing on the hill with other cameras or microphones. And and here's the thing about Yeah, I'm Florida. waiting for like a like every scene I was just waiting for a boom mic to kinda like sag down into the scene or something like that. You're always kinda waiting for that. And then in this movie it happens. Like there's just crew members and shots and you're like wait a minute that guy's obviously a grip like what is he doing yeah and the tension from the last scene came well here's the thing they're they're being chased by ninjas through this swamp like area in central florida right it's the community park okay but it's swampy they're they're running through the water everything else i found it to be an extremely tense scene but not because of anything that was happening on screen because Florida does in fact have ninja alligators. Yeah, you wait for if, a gator you, to get somebody. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen those YouTube videos. Like I made the mistake one time of visiting Florida for work. <laughs> period. And you I, made the mistake of visiting Florida. Period. Well, yeah. This, <laughs> here's the thing. Florida is the Australia of the U S everything in Florida can kill you. So as we're leaving the airport and I'm going to the hotel and I'm, I'm in the back of the Uber. Uh, the, I'm talking to the driver, and I notice on the side of the road these fences, and I'm thinking, "Oh, well, what? Why are all these fences on the side of the road?" And you know, she says, "Well, those are to keep the alligators from crossing the road, but they don't work because alligators are really good at at scaling fences. And you know, when you go to your room tonight, just scale alligators' fences." So I, I made the mistake of doing that that night. And my God, these alligators, they are ninjas down there. There was one video where this alligator looked like he was standing on his tail, like ringing the doorbell. He's standing at this guy's door selling Girl Scout cookies, trying to get into the door. It was crazy. Alligators, I'm telling you. Dude, alligators have been around for millions of years. There's a reason why they've survived this long. I know. And that was the most tense part of the film because at any given time, I'm like, what is wrong with these people? They live in Florida. They should know about the ninja alligators. And yet they're running around in that swamp trying to film this climatic ninja thing. That had me on my seat the first time. I, I was on the edge of the seat during that sequence only because I thought somebody's going to get eaten. And the the ninja alligators actually kind of scare me for real. I'm no BS. Rightfully I've watched so. too many YouTube videos about them. It's crazy. Um, I, 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 you know, I don't know what to say about this film. I... Let me ask you this, Brad. It do you enjoy watching it? Absolutely, absolutely. I had a smile on my face the entire time of this movie. I know we've kind of picked at it a lot, but ultimately, at the end of the day, I love this movie so much. Like it has so much that it's trying to do that it fails miserably at, but it's so fun 
and enjoyable. And I'm glad, you know, I had watched it a few years ago uh, when I got the Blu-ray, the Draft House Blu-ray um, with some friends. You know, this is like quintessential. Let's get a bunch of people in a room together and watch a movie. This is one that people should add to their list. Like, hey, hey let's just get together, you know, drink some beer, watch a movie. We'll just watch Miami Connection because it is literally going to be one of the funniest movies you've ever seen unintentionally. Um, but again, like YK Kim and the, like the, all these people are really trying, like no one is trying to be bad in this movie. Um, and I think that kind of means something like, I don't know, Troy, like they're really trying and, and you can kind of tell, like, I know it's bad, but they're trying. Um, oh, I know they're trying. I, I think, so here's, here's a follow-up question I have for that. You talk about watching this in a group setting. And this movie gained its status because in a sold-out auditorium, when they bought the print off of 15 bucks or $50 from eBay, showed it to a group of people, everybody's cheering, clapping. It, it's a communal experience, right? So you're watching Miami Connection. You have a blast. And what you're enjoying is everything you're seeing on screen, it makes literally no sense from a narrative standpoint. The filmmaking obviously is done by a guy who did buy How to Make a Film for Dummies. All of that. Can you enjoy... So my question, the the long-winded question is, can you enjoy this just on your own sitting down and watching it? I mean, yeah, because that's how I watched it this time. <clears throat> I mean, I just... And you, you still had as much fun with it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it just kind of brought back, like, good feelings that, you know, people are going to try to do stuff and it's not going to be perfect and it's crazy and it doesn't make sense. But, you know, every time they play that scene where Jane goes to see Jeff in the gym slash dojo um, and they have like this dramatic scene and they're talking about, I forget what they're talking about, but they're both really trying and Jane is going for it. And you're just like, man, you are missing the mark, but it is so funny. And, you know, I just can't help but not watch this movie and smile. I don't know what it is about it. It's just got this weird charm to it that that just I don't know. It it just has it has its grips on me, Troy. YK is just <laughs> you know, and every time every time they have the scene where they're like, Yeah, we're all foster kids or something like that, you know, and you're just like, Where is this coming from? This whole plot line is not going anywhere and then like the whole band, the other band that, you know, they get kicked out of the bar because Dragon Sound takes their gig and like that doesn't go anywhere. You like you could think of, I don't know, like driving trucks through all these plot holes. But, you know, what? who cares? If the film I, makes I agree you feel, with you. I, if the film makes you feel good, then it it's fine. I, I agree. I, here's Here's an element of what this film adds up to that I think you, you had talked about what makes a a movie so bad that it's fun is how memorable it is. And if you watch a ton of films, most films follow, if you're watching a romantic comedy, you're watching a horror, you're watching an action film, et cetera. You've got the traditional story arc, right? Three arc structure. You got the three arc structure. And then even within certain genres, you, you know that there's a lot of predictability. There are action tropes. There are romantic comedy tropes. There's drama tropes too. And documentaries are probably the only thing that I, I would say that 
even a documentary, you've got a filmmaker making choices within an editing and they're still within the documentary trying to do a three arc structure, I feel like. Yeah. Because that you've got two hours or somewhere around two hours. As long as it's greater than 88 minutes. (laughs) 88 minutes is the cutoff line, right? This is 84 minutes, so. Okay. (laughs) I feel like this was two hours or three hours long at one point, and you really had to cut some stuff down. There's a lot of deleted scenes on there. Um, But there's that scene where it starts with the the narcotics bust. You you get the dragon sound uh, intro, and you, you get to hear the friend song. Um, the whole song you hear the, the whole song you hear against the ninja and friends in its entirety you get to the sequence where all of a sudden the old band goes to the bar and they're so angry and then the bar owner he's so angry and they're so angry at each other and all of a sudden it breaks out into a karate fight and the bar owner just beats them all up yeah it, like 20 seconds i love yeah. so you said you we're going to put on the subtitle. I had the subtitles on the whole time. A lot of times it's, you know, my favorite thing with this movie is indistinguishable audio or audibly indistinguishable. And I'm like, yeah, that should probably be like what that, that movie is, what this movie is called because <laughs> half of it, you can't hear. Like, like you said, people are talking over other people. There's They're like this yelling at each other. The sound They're mix angrily. is all messed up. It's ADR. It like, there's parts where you're like, that is definitely not what that guy's mouth is saying at all. Like, I'm not watching the, you know, the dub version of Akira here. Like, this is totally not what that guy says. But, you know. It, it, you're right. But it's an example of, I didn't expect that scene to come out the way it did. I was not expecting a karate showdown between the club owner and the old band. It goes nowhere. And right after that sequence, I think you end up following the 40-year-old guys in college or something. And then YK Kim's little foot fetish thing with the guy's nose. This movie goes places that you think you know what it's going to do. And it absolutely does not do any of the things that a ninja movie does, an action film does. It, it, it's got its own idea of entertainment. And like you said, it's so earnest. It's all there. Everybody put everything they had into it in terms of acting and stunt work and everything else. I love it. Yes. I absolutely love it. You're, you're leaving out the best part after the, the band gets beat up. That guy's in the movie the whole time, the rest of the film with a bandage on his head with a blood wound on it. Like, oh yeah. So sorry. I, I did like, was it his buddy who got his nose busted after one of the fights yeah. and he's trying to take his glasses off and hurts himself. <laughs> yes. That was hilarious. I'm glad you love this movie. I'm glad I do. I, it's one of those films though, this one. And I think all the films we're going to talk about this month. When I look at it, the, the critical part of me and the logic of my head, and, and maybe it's a little bit of my wife's voice going, why do you watch this stuff? But when I watch this to me, there is a difference there. And I can't think of something. Well, let me back up. One of the films that I did watch recently, Velasa pastor, right? Mm Mm-hmm. That's an independent film, straight to video. I think I picked it up at one of the conventions. You can find it on Amazon Prime, et cetera. I've talked to a lot of people, and they say it couldn't make it through 10 minutes. Made made it through all of it. I did laugh in some spots. But it is a film that is intentionally trying to be bad. Mm-hmm. Intentionally going for the goofiest stuff. Like Machete. It, yes. And I think Miami Connection is a much better film. 
because they're not set out to be intentionally bad. This film ends with, I think, uh, what is it? Only through the elimination of violence can we achieve world peace. <laughs> and and the reason why that's there is because at the time, Y.K. Kim and and his partners thought, uh, hey, this movie's really violent, and we're trying to show the wonder of Taekwondo, the beauty of it. You can't go around chopping people's heads off and and face kicking them left and right, and then say, oh, Taekwondo is this peaceful internal martial arts you, you got to put something at the at the end there so they they put that phrase only through the elimination of violence can we achieve world peace and i i thought that was absolutely brilliant and what's funny is that was actually used in velocipaster as well they stole it so you can tell that movie was trying to make uh fun of bad films by being a bad film where this one succeeds is they're trying to make a taekwondo film and show everybody how cool Taekwondo is. And it's almost a recruiting movie, right? Come take Taekwondo. It's propaganda. This is Ip I Man mean, level propaganda. This, this is Ip Man level propaganda for Taekwondo. <clears throat> and they believe in this like crazy. And it's that ingenuity. It's that charm. That unexpectedness. That I think sets it above bad films. Or films that are intentionally trying to be bad and funny at the same yeah, time. Yeah, you know, those people who try to go viral... You know, now everyone wants to go viral with something. And it's like, once you try, I feel like you can kind of sense that. Um, and, and you lose a little bit of that charm with the absolutely. Attempt. Yeah. And it's it's just, it's a fun film. I mean, I I would not recommend it across the board unless you get a feel for somebody's movie taste. And it's not whether or not they find something funny or they like ninja films the way you and I, you know, really love ninja films. I think it comes down into what's your take on trying something that's experimental. Like what, what, like this is the eraser head of independence film. (laughs) It's the eraser head of ninja movies. If you think about it, I mean, you're not wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I, and if, if you, if you like that, if you go, Hey, give me something I haven't seen before, you're going to love this thing. I really, but again, I, tons of people were going to watch this thing. I think you said it best. You're not going to find any middle ground on this where somebody goes, yeah, it was okay. It's either going to be, I absolutely love that film, adore it. Or I made it, it, I made it after the, the, the friends song. And I was like, you know what? I'm out. Yeah. No friends, not forever. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. They weren't in it to win. They were not. Um, yeah, this, this, this is a crazy good time. Although. I, I can't say this enough. Vanilla Ice's ninja rap song is better than Against the Ninja. And I still do not approve of any foot-to-nose thing. That was weird. And Florida is still the Australia of the U.S. and is a dangerous place. And I don't condone any travel there because of their ninja alligators. And <laughs> I'm telling you, folks, go YouTube Alligators and Fences. It's the scariest thing I've ever seen. But other than that, I love this film. Yeah, I, I love it, too. I... I... <laughs> I'm so glad we watched it again. Um, this is I, one I of those. <laughs> this was one of those movies, though. Um, I waited till my wife. Like, I know my wife, and I know your <laughs> wife. But it's like she will put up with a lot of stuff, and she'll watch a lot of crap with me. This is one where I'm like, all right, I'm gonna wait till you go to bed, and then I'm gonna watch this because you're gonna judge. You're gonna judge. I may, yeah, I may have lied to her and said, hey, it's got this romantic comedy thing going on, and because. <laughs> <laughs> Look, 
you're a liar. I was really trying to sell this. It does have a romantic comedy. Did you? Thing did your kids on. watch this? Tell me, Cameron thinks this is the greatest movie ever made. Cameron thinks this is the greatest movie ever made. Okay, mission accomplished. Yes. We have yep. done our due diligence, and we have done what we set out to do. So, Cameron also, um, when we watched Cool as Ice, uh, I, I told him that that's an interesting film because Vanilla Ice to woo a girl takes her to a construction site. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, has some fantastic dialogue, like it's time to, you know, geo or I, I forgot all the, yeah, you know, the, cause the, the word go is so long. You don't want yeah, to where say O-U-T, it. Yeah. Um, his dance moves are fantastic. I told Cameron anytime, especially as he, he gets heavier into dating in his teenage years, anything that Vanilla Ice did and cool as ice, he should mimic that 100%. And anything that goes on in, in Miami connection, especially these songs, I, I think he should, um, he should really take to heart the friend song. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So it should, do we ask the question is we know financially it was a bomb when it first came out, totally bomb. Everybody hated it. it. Now, critically people are taking it for what it is, but I mean, Brad, this is your pick is, uh, is Miami connection a bomb? Miami connection is not a bomb, Troy. I 100% agree with you. It is a fantastic slice of life. I, I re- and I'm not being sarcastic. I, I think it's a slice of life, man. I think it's I think it's fun filmmaking. This is what films should be trying to do is be different. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure Kevin Smith saw this, you know, when he was getting ready to make Clerks and said, "Hey, I'm going to be all in on this Clerks movie, just like this YK Kim guy." Yeah. <laughs> hey, paid off for him. Hey, I mean, it took a little while to get there. So, speaking of Ninja, yes. Have you ever seen the racist video of Jennifer Murphy from the Mur- like? She's like. Murphy bed, I believe she did a kind of viral video called I want to be ninja where this white woman sings. So do yourself a favor when we're done here tonight, look up. I want to be ninja by Jennifer Murphy. Is this going to make me mad or it'll probably make you mad, but she did Uh it. She did it. I don't know. She, she tried, she tried, she tried to be funny and guess what? White women doing Asian voices is not funny. It's not funny. Nope. But not at all. <clears throat> anyway. Nope. Okay. All right, man. Well, hey, um, before we kind of talk about next week's, I know we got some feedback in this week and I wanted to tackle it. We did. So there were two there were two emails that came through. Yes. So first one, because it's shorter, um, is from our buddy Nate uh um Atkinson, who was on uh the pretension with us a long time ago. I forget what he did. Yeah, he's in full disclosure. We're going to try and have him back, yes. uh, possibly this month, but um, we're going to keep that under under um, our hats until we can figure it all out. But yes, Nate, you you sent us some some feedback. So what did he say? Hold on, I'm going to find out which what episode he was on. Dude, that's going to take forever. It is not because it's on the website. I know exactly where it is. Come on, Troy, just give me a second. Would you like me to read that email from Nate while you're yes. doing the search? Okay. Oh well, no, I, I found it. Found it. Episode five. Okay. Oh gosh, of course it was. It's Inferno and House. God, it always no, that comes. Was, no, wasn't that Kent? Oh yeah, that was Kent. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> his brother. <laughs> oh, sorry, I was got to mix it up. That's okay. The, Forget it. Nate Atkinson. Um, hi guys, loving the podcast. Looking forward to this month as Miami Connection was a gem, though I think I spotted a continuity error. Keep it up. There's no no errors in. Miami Connection. We've gone over it. I Did believe... you just listen to the last hour and 25 minutes? It was perfect. Yes. 
Yeah, Mr. Atkinson, I, I think you're using continu continuity error, um, that term very loosely. This is a rock solid narrative <clears throat> with a lot of heart. Um, yes, I, I think it's ninja training sequences are not up to par to what I would professionally approve. But um, outside of that, I agree with you. It's a gem. It's a fantastic film. But uh, continuity, I, I, I think it's all there. I, I, I agree. It's a perfect film. Awesome. Okay. The Academy and Awards for 1988 or 87 was... Well, no, that's hyper... The only thing I think Marie Smith got robbed yes, for Marie supporting Smith. actor. That's it. I mean, everything else, let's, let's, not, let's not go crazy here. But uh, Nate, I apologize. Brad continually sorry. calls me Charlie, so yeah, eh, join the club. I, I'm sorry. No. Go ahead. Okay. What's the next one? Uh, so this one is, uh, I'm going to read it all. It's, it's kind of long. So f here we go. Let's go on a little journey. Um, hi, yes. guys. My name is Nick. And a while back, I stumbled across a movie I'd never heard of. It completely blew me away. And, ever, and, and so ever since, I've been desperately trying to convince everyone across movie fandom to give it a shot and hopefully drag it out of complete obscurity. The movie is called... The Beast of War, a.k.a. The Beast, from 1988. Uh, directed by Kevin Reynolds, starring George Zunza, uh, Jason Patrick, and Steve Bauer. And it was only released in two screens across the whole U.S. Uh, by Columbia Pictures. And I kid you not when I say this is the best Hollywood film you've never heard of. Correct. I have never heard of this film. Troy, ever heard of The Beast of War? I'm going to let you finish this because I have a funny story okay. about this. Uh, okay. So this guy is playing to our hearts because yes, uh, Quentin Tarantino's old writing partner, George Avery has it down as the best movie of 1988 on letterbox and also has it down as one of his 20 desert Island films with apocalypse now being the only other war film. The film has a rating of 7.3 in IMDb 3.5 on letterbox and not a single critic review on rotten tomatoes, but it does have an audience score of 84%. A couple podcasts that I have reviewed it and favorably. So I know how I know this guy is not from the United States. There's a lot of unwanted use in a lot of these words unfavorably okay. with a U come on. Uh, war horse first war machine and the retro movie geeks podcast, the latter on the basis of my recommendation. I continue to pester Criterion to do whatever, do something to save this, this movie from yes. uh, continual obscurity, but I no longer get anything back from them. Oh, well. <laughs> I love that they were like, probably like, we will, you know, thank you. We will have it down for consideration. And then at some point in time, they're like, no, no. Uh, no, but I mean, that's, that's dedication. Yeah. That, yeah. You, I, I have mean, never done that. So I think it was that line that had me sold. Like we're, we're yeah. doing this. Okay. Yeah. Uh, da, da, da. Please seek out that it's available on DVD and streaming. So it won't be difficult to track down and you'll, you'll, oh, and if you do see it, let me know if you agree with me as this is my, one of the best American movies of the 1980s, one way or another, uh, we need to find need to find a way to raise this movie's profile and prevent it from continual obscurity once and for all. Check it out. And then he gives the trailer. I watched the trailer, Troy. We are doing this. Um, I don't know if the episode will be an odd or even, but my birthday is January 5th. And I would like to do this that week of my birthday, Troy. 
because I think it's going to So be... you're already calling it? Yes. Okay, so funny story. We we get this email, read it, and that line about pestering Criterion, it, automatically, I, I remember texting you and saying, Brad, we're doing this film. We're, we've already got uh, November and December lined out. This is happening in January. I am so excited. The more I read this and the more I saw who starred in it, I was sitting there thinking, You've got this it on DVD. seems really familiar. Lo and behold, in the unwatched pile is wow. a copy of The Beast on DVD. It has not been opened. Um, it's still got all the security device enclosed stickers on it. It's got the widescreen, full screen presentation, bonus trailers, digitally mastered audio and anamorphic video. Um, Dave Starrett of the Christian Science Monitor says, no film this side of Platoon has been more bold and unflinching in showing the explosive nightmares of combat. That's why um, I love you, Troy. You literally yeah. pull out a movie that we think we've never heard of, and you're like, oh, wait, I own that. Yes, You bought it I at do. Walmart for seven ninety nine. Uh I did buy it at Walmart. Okay. Um, the sticker says February of 2003, so I've been sitting on this for, what, <laughs> 17 years yeah. in the unwatch pile. <laughs> That's fantastic. So we're, we're going to watch this. I know nothing about it. I have no idea. I didn't even watch the trailer yet. Um, Kevin Reynolds, I know, is the director from Robin Hood, Waterworld, you know, the Kevin Costner stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So I know that's why I bought this film is because as soon as I saw that director, I'm like, I, I want to see this film. But um, Obviously, I'm, not that bad. Well, listen... That this is serendipity, man. We had somebody write in and t- you know talk this film up. He's writing to Criterion about this. We are I like how he writes the Criterion it. and then us. <laughs> hey, we're doing something about it. No, that puts us a step ahead against Criterion, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So thank you. We're better than Criterion. And Nick, I don't know if you know how big our audience is, but uh, you know we'll do our best, man. We will do our best. And thank you for the recommendation because. Um, our, our episodes usually come out um, on Tuesday, and the first Tuesday in, of January is January 5th, so that's my birthday, so we're doing it, Troy. Well, happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you. Early, yes. Brad. We're, we're doing the beast, so I'm excited. This is, I, I think this is why we kind of do this. I mean, we, we started as a COVID sort of project, um, but the whole intent of it was to connect with people that will talk movies with us and give us recommendations. We actually had somebody from another podcast reach out. Um, want to talk about them real quick. VHS files. Uh, Brad, have you started listening to them? I'm, I'm on the episode right now. They're, they're discussing. I've been, I, I looked at what they've done so far and I immediately saw monster squad. So I went right to that one and I'm listening to it. It's a lot of fun. Absolutely. Same um, here. Yeah. And I think uh, Josh is who reached out to us. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, we are hopefully we're kind of working out something to bring Josh on and uh, do something a little collaboration. Uh, v- yep. Yeah. With VHS files. But hey, folks, um, we want to kind of put their name out for you. So if you're looking for something else to listen to, check them out. Give a listen. Uh, so far, I, I don't know how many episodes you you listen to. I, I like what I'm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, there's they, there are more people fun. on their show. So you have more opinions, more, you know. So, they have more friends than us. Yes, so exactly. You know that their production value is probably better. Yeah, you know they're probably a better podcast than us. But hey, listen. Just, wait, after you listen to them, make, just come please back to stay us. around, please. Okay, yeah. okay. We on, still guys. love you. <laughs> um, and then our good friend Alex, I think he released his last scary podcast. Right? They yeah, did the they did the Shining. I okay. will say, Alex did did well. 
He did well. He did his homework. I was very pl- I'm very pleased. Has um, he publicly gone back and changed his rating of Scream yet? No, and he hasn't apologized either. It really hurts. It's been like three right. weeks, you know? Yeah, dude. You need to step up. It's, uh, admit your admit your errors, Alex. We're calling you out. Again, Scream is one of the most important modern films. Not even horror films. You know what, Troy? I can't. I can't go down this road. I know. We're not, but I want Alex to know we're not letting this go until he changes that rating. So I don't know how often we're going to be talking about this. We'll stop as soon as he changes rating on it. Anyways, <laughs> Brad, how does, I don't know, how, how how does anybody reach out to us and give us awesome recommendations like The Beast, which I'm super excited for now? Uh, that would be um, notabombpod at gmail.com. Twitter is notabombpod at, or sorry, just notabombpod. And then Instagram <laughs> is notabombpod. Uh, Facebook, look us up. Um, not a bomb podcast, um, not a bomb podcast.com. Uh, you can contact, contact us there, uh, through the contact us, uh, tab. Troy, what are we doing next week? I'm so glad you asked. So next week is my first pick of Turkey month. There are so many action movies I wanted to do, and I am going to do an action movie this month. Cause I, I, I feel like the action films are my favorite. Well, there's, there's two bad films I really enjoy watching. It's either the bad musical, so like Rappin' with Mario Van Peebles is fantastic. Obviously, I've talked enough about Cool as Ice. I love my ninja bad movies. There's so many of them. I'm so glad you talked about Ninja 3, The Domination. But I wanted to try something a little bit different and talk about another subgenre of film that I don't think gets not enough love. Um, and that's 2000's Ready to Rumble, starring David Arquette, Oliver Platt, and Scott Kahn. This thing is a critical bomb. It was a box office bomb. Um, and I am excited to bring it because I do think it's one of those so bad it's good films. And when you talk about your love for Miami Connection and how much you can just, both in a group setting and individual, just makes you laugh and, and you have so much fun with it. This is my pick, Ready to Rumble. It, it's one of those films that a lot of people, I think when it came out, was just, wow, that's really dumb. I saw it in the but theater. I did too and enjoyed it instantly. I I, I have the original movie poster. I, I am so upset oh this thing God, does I, Of course you do. Yeah, but I'm, I've met David Arquette, and that, that was the thing I wanted to talk to him about. And uh, he he was fantastic, but I'm so upset this doesn't have like a proper Blu-ray 4K something special. Look, if let's Nick call Criterion. Writing, let's start. Let's yeah, start. If, <laughs> if Nick is writing to Criterion on the Beast, I am gonna start my letter pledge for Ready to Rumble. Get that I think it's spy number 481. Ready to Rumble. <laughs> um, but that's my pick. So uh, and and full disclosure, I, I may be squeezing in a few other wrestling movies like uh what's the hulk hogan one and no holds barred no holds barred yep yeah i'm gonna try and watch that and david arquette has a uh documentary out about him trying to get back into the wrestling yeah so we'll get into it but he kind of uh i guess took a took a dive um as you would yeah. say and um wrestling fans have never really forgiven him for that so he has worked his way um trying to like be legitimate Ever since, I think. Um, hey, guess who? Guess what film David Arquette was in? Um, he's in a couple of franchises. Yeah. Um, he also played a cop in a film. Oh, that sounds awfully familiar. Yeah. Scream. 
screen. <laughs> oh, cool. You know who we should have on the show if we're talking ready to rumble? Ooh, to someone who likes Scream a lot? Yeah, I think mm. we should reach out and see if he'll come on the show. He's not going to come on because I'm just going to just lay lay into it. No, no. We're going to have Alex from uh, Friends with Cinefits on the show. So Yeah, we're going to try and work that out. So hopefully we can get Alex on here. He can publicly change his mind about Scream and talk about Red. Now, Ready to Rumble has a bunch of wrestlers from, I think, your era of yes, wrestling. The, like right? the, so the Monday Night Wars era. So it would be like the the attitude era from WWF and kind of like the NWO ish era for WCW. Um, Monday nitro was their show. Um, I was a pretty big wrestling fan during that time, Troy. Um, it was, you know, I was a 15 to, I guess for, you know, probably earlier than that. So 12 to 18 years old. I mean, we would watch a lot of wrestling, me and my friends. So, uh, this is this is going to be pretty nostalgic for me. That's awesome. I so, just admitted that I loved wrestling. Well, I don't love I wrestling was, now, but I was not watching wrestling at this time. But I love this film. Now, when I was watching wrestling, it was the Hulk Hogan, the Roddy Piper, the Ultimate uh, Warrior, if you will, the Ultimate Warrior. That that was my heyday, and lo- I love wrestling as well. And what's funny is. I will dabble in it every once in a while. I mean, who doesn't love a good cage or ladder match? I mean, that stuff's fantastic. But um, yeah, I'm I'm ready to kind of spend this week just getting into wrestling. Are you are are you ready to rumble? <laughs> okay, I'm done. Well, Bye. Bye. Yeah, okay. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> well, well played, sir. Okay. All right. Well, I heard my paycheck hey, tonight, Troy. That was good. Um, but anything else? I I think. Wow! After that one, I know. I think everybody's I, you just ready for us to go. Just got to kind of walked off stage. Um, yeah. No. Um, uh, you know, to be perfectly honest, and we've kind of hinted at it before and and said some stuff, but you and I just kind of wanted an excuse to talk about a movie for, you know, usually two hours, or and um, this was a great excuse, and it's kind of grown into something that. Uh, we never imagined in the short period of time. And we've, this is episode 21 and we're getting people reaching out and we see how many people listen and it's like insane. So we appreciate, I still don't believe it. We still, so. <laughs> you know, we appreciate everyone listening and, and providing feedback and interacting with us. Cause you know, sometimes you think you're just kind of talking to, I'm just talking to Troy and no one else is listening, but you know, it, it's, it's nice to know that people listen and people enjoy and, you know, if, if you have feedback critically too, I mean, I, you know, I know I'm not perfect. I, I have to listen back to our show every week to kind of QA it after you get done editing it. And, and sometimes it's hard because I know certain things I say over and over and I do that. I'm, I'm you know, I'm trying to, to work on. So, you know, no one likes to hear the old sound of their voice. So Having to QA QA our file every week. I like week. the sound of your voice, Brad. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So anyway, but no, thank you all for listening. We we appreciate it very much. Um, it kind of doesn't justify what we're doing, but it does help. So. No, I agree, and I really don't have too much to add to that. Brad said it perfectly. Can't thank you enough for joining. If you find it in your hearts to leave us a good review on iTunes or any of the other places that you can, please do so. But more importantly, you know, forget the whole reviews on iTunes. If you got a good bomb, 
that you want to send our way and talk about it and specifically talk about your love for it. You know, the way Nick did with the beast, please send it. That's the stuff. If you're emailing criterion. Yeah. We got to hear about that stuff because we want to champion your movie too. Um, and I'm, I'm excited about stuff that we haven't seen. So send us that stuff, uh, with that. Don't know if you're listening in the morning or the evening, but I'm hoping that you're having just an awesome day. And, um, next week we're getting into wrestling and man, I'm, I'm ready, Brad. You're ready to rumble. <laughs> we're, we're okay. We're in it on that one.